This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, from MBB Think Radio, this is Money Talks, and it's live radio. I love it. I'm Java Chapman, along with Dr. Nancy Lodridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Tab, portfolio manager and New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder also hosts a certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. Now, today, we're not going to be bringing you one of our fabulous expert guests that will often talk about a variety of topics, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear what is happening in your financial world and talk about what you want to talk about. So today is an open topic show. You can send us an email. That's money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Nancy. How are you doing this morning? Doing fine, Java. So you're trying to tell me that we're not fabulous experts? Oh, you are like the super, super <laughs> dependent, <laughs> tremendous experts. They're the other people are just regular, regular experts. Okay. <laughs> well, Java, we are in November, and uh, normally October makes investors shake in their boots. We've oh, had wow. so many market downturns and crashes that have happened in October in our history. And so we get a little nervous about October. But October was really great. In fact, it was September that was not so good. So September saw the S&P 500 decline 4.76%. But that really wasn't awful because we were still way up for the year. And then lo and behold, October blows in, and we gain, for the S&P 500, 6.9%, almost 7% in one month. That's just the way the market functions. You have big uptimes, big downtimes, but you got to stay the course. Overall, the S&P 500 is up year-to-date about 22.5%. Really great year. Well, all right. Now, Ryder, what uh, financial news are you um, seeing right now? Java, I just want to say thank you for having me in the MPB metaverse. Um, <laughs> the, the latest news uh, coming out of the metaverse or opening us to the metaverse is Facebook is rebranding as Meta. I want to go on record and, and just say boo, real just. I just want to go on record. <laughs> it's okay. I was there when you had to have a college email to log into Facebook, but carry on, right? Carry on. Oh, so you're one of the original cool kids. I understand. And see, and see that may and, and, and Java that may have value in the metaverse. Okay, whereas that does not have value necessarily right now. And just like your Facebook page isn't cooler than other people's, maybe in the metaverse you will be you will be honored as one of the kind of ex- exceptional, uh, wiser OGs of Facebook. <laughs> and, and, and so this, so this story is interesting in two pieces. So this is, this is, this is kind of a lot. So buckle in a little bit. Firstly, when a company like this rebrands, Facebook is a very large company and they've changed their name to meta platforms. What does that mean? It means, um, practically nothing. They did change their certificate of incorporation any regulators who they file with, of course, the main one when we're talking about stocks, they file with the SEC. They will kind of update all of their paperwork there. 
but otherwise they're still the same company everyone will still probably continue calling them facebook it's just like when google rebranded as alphabet we still call it google when you hear about it in a news story it's people still call it google they say they may say the company alphabet which is the parent company of google but we still know it as google so the rebranding is not necessarily the big thing but the big thing is the metaverse and as as the name implies it's kind of a big deal it, it's more than just a virtual world it's more than just oh we're on the radio or oh we're on a zoom call together it's it, it, it's actual things made of information. And, and we've talked about Bitcoin and blockchain as money. And one of the ideas in the metaverse, you may be able to earn Bitcoin or earn some kind of token in exchange for playing a game. This is fairly common. You get rewards for playing a game. And then you could transfer those into maybe another game, an unrelated game, or you could earn something and an example I thought of, uh, shame, Kevin is in our host today. Kevin always talks about how he likes collecting shoes. Maybe he could go into one game or one interact with one virtual world and buy a new pair of shoes. And then he could take those shoes into another game or another virtual world. And taking it a step further, if somebody had virtual reality glasses on or augmented reality glasses and Kevin was walking around the mall, they might see those shoes on his feet. So you have these unique digital items that you can transfer between interactions. And so you're interacting with this metaverse and you're acquiring unique goods and experience in different ways. And it's, it, while, of course, this is still very new, we're really maybe not even out, not even necessarily on the cusp of this. This is a big idea about about how we will interact as a society in the future. But Ryder, I just still want to know: Is Meta the place where my relative goes goes to spread conspiracy theories? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will still be able to log into your Meta account and spread conspiracy theories if that's what you're up to. Okay. Now, now, Ryder, how do we? I think I think I've seen something where uh, I guess I was about to say Facebook, but Meta. They have a. Uh, they want to potentially make these virtual things where you can eventually get tangible goods. Is that kind of like their end game? That could be, and, and that's again, it's just breaking down the barrier between the real world and the digital world. And it's more than just a digital world, because if you think about the digital world, you know, you can take a picture of something and, and make a bajillion copies of that picture digitally, perfectly. But with the metaverse. In, in the real world, it's it's diff difficult to physically reproduce something, and so that's why we have unique things. We have art. We have unique features of our cars, and in the virtual world, establishing that we can have unique goods that are – well, this is my pair of shoes, and, and, and I have scuffed it in this particular way, or this is the art that I purchased. And I don't know if we've talked about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, but that's, oh, that's man. part of what so that is. Crazy. But this is – I'm, well, yeah, I'm trying to avoid some of the stuff that's going to be way too much discussion for us. Well, right I was just now. about to say, um, uh, um, is this going to be a way for, I guess – 
Meta, Facebook to just en- enrich themselves even more because even though oh, you, these are virtual, you know, virtual things, it's because honestly it's sounding just like a like a another video game in my eyes. Um, but you, people are going to be paying for this pre- pretend stuff with real money. So, you yes, know, just putting but, but it more Java and more is- into Meta's uh, Facebook's coffers. Yes, but it, it's not all pretend stuff. One thing that I was thinking about is in the metaverse, you will be able to go in and, and get not only unique digital goods, just like one can walk into a store and purchase a, a physical good, but you can also get real worthwhile experiences. And one way I thought of this is we train pilots by having them sit in video simulators and they sit in video simulators to learn how to interact with stormy weather or a flock of birds over the Hudson River a little bit better. And so you can have these real interactions which are not taking place in a physical location. And so you get something valuable out of those experiences. And I think education might be a big area, especially if you're in in a field where you have to have some practical experience. You can maybe have that practical experience in a digital way, and that would – that would just speed up the process that would maybe provide higher quality education maybe make it more available but yes at the end of the day a company who is getting more and more into the metaverse of course they are doing it they want to earn more and more of your money and importantly the money they're trying to earn from you is dollars now that's what i just about to say if anybody has seen the movie uh ready ready player one uh came out a couple years ago this is i think where we're where we're heading but um if you can't tell today is an open topic show (laughs) here on money talks but let's go to our phone lines and talk with john from jackson good morning john hello there my friend i am um, an elderly neurotic dependent on Social Security and Medicare for survival. I am much given to night terrors. My current one is what will happen if the political parties miscalculate their wars and uh, this country defaults on its debts early in December. Would you comment on the doom involved? Well, I would say that... um uh, a lot of this is just some gamesmanship that goes on, and both parties certainly understand the importance of the U.S. honoring those debts. Having said that, um, I was just reading an article yesterday where our Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was looking at ways that she could still honor the debt even if there's not an official vote by Congress. So I am not terribly concerned about that. If we do get to that point and um, and then we have a few days, which we have had in the past, then typically what happens is there's a come-to-Jesus meeting, I'll put it that way, because everybody then realizes what they have done, and they don't want to go there. And uh, so I just think this is really a symbolic vote. I am all in favor of them doing away with it. Ryder, any thoughts? Well, one way that I think about this, and so hitting the debt ceiling, kind of what he's talking about just for the broader audience, that that 
we wouldn't be able to issue any more debt to pay for the things uh, that we have said we were going to pay for, our roads, bridges, uh, healthcare, education, uh, military front. That's about half of our federal spending. And one of the things that I think about is the closest we've come before, we actually did get a downgrade in our credit rating. And But I think about what would happen. Say we did temporarily default on that, miss a, miss a payment on a bond. The reason that this is important is because the U.S. is – people call it a reserve currency. People want our dollars. People need our dollars to interact with the financial system regardless where you are in the world. And the dollar is very important, and that's been a very good thing for us. But right now, there's still not there's, – there's not – a, a currency or anything that is sitting in an obvious second place. There's there's not anything else that's the the backup reserve currency. It's if the U.S. defaulted on debt, people would be annoyed that they didn't get their dollars that day. Like Nancy said, hopefully that brinkmanship they 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 correct that mistake in a few days. But it's not obvious that there would be a shift away from the dollar in the rest of the world. There just isn't anything better. If you have a question for our fabulous, our stupendous, our magnanimous experts, writer and Nancy, uh, you can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Today's an open topic show, so we do want to hear from you. Also, we've got a clever way to save some money that was in the news this week, and we'll share it with you after the break. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts with your normal host, Kevin Farrell. I'm in there a couple shows. But you can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android device on demand. Hi, I'm Java Chapman, as I said, along with Dr. Nancy Lodridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. I was talking with a producer, Liz, during the break because I couldn't believe 
you this story. NPR recently reported that a California man, I mean, talk about saving money, a California man in 2014 bought a season pass at Six Flags for $150. Seems reasonable. That includes two meals a day. And apparently he has eaten nearly every meal at Six Flags for over the last six years. He just keeps renewing this $150 season pass, which includes two meals a day. He says with all the savings, he's paid off his student loans, and he even bought a house. What do you guys think about that? Jabba, how many pounds did he gain? Because, yeah, I don't believe there are a lot of options at Six Flags. (laughs) Hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, uh, hmm. That moldy gold uh, green salad that that's way in the back. Um, <laughs> now, Nancy, I did want to uh, talk to you about this uh, ramp rental assistance for Mississippians program. In uh, earlier this year, April thirteenth, um, uh, executive director for the Mississippi Home Corporation, Scott Spivey, was a, a guest here on Money Talks and talked about this program, uh, ramp rental assistance for Mississippians uh, program and. And as of recently, I've been seeing a lot of commercials, advertisements, uh, I guess, trying to get people on this program. Can you give us a little more information? Well, the reason they're highlighting it, this was part of the stimulus package, a recognition that during COVID, a lot of people lost jobs, weren't able to make their rent payments. And uh, so this program was started. But the problem is they still have a lot of money. They haven't handed out a lot of rental assistance because there is a process to it. And um, a lot of people just don't understand. Uh, A lot of people just assumed, hey, I can stop paying my rent and you can't. You have to file for this assistance, go through this process for the even for the moratorium and now for the assistance. And uh, we have a lot of folks that we work with, um, particularly older folks who have rental uh, property and they depend on that income for their income every month. And so all of this has been uh, a problem. But this program can help a landlord who has tenants that are behind on their rent. But you do have to go through the process. Um, If you are a tenant and you have uh, rent that's past due and you need help with rent and utilities, then you can apply for this. And uh, if you're a tenant who has total household income below 80% of the area media income based on the county, which means, again, you have to go through the agency, apply for all that, fill out the paperwork to make sure that you can get some sort of assistance. But it's there. It's out there. And people should really take advantage of that. Well, uh, if you need more information about this Mississippi uh, Rental Assistance for Mississippians program, also known as RAMP, uh, you can visit the website ms-ramp.com, and I'm pretty sure we'll put a link up with the uh, podcast. But let's go to the phone lines um, because we have Hippie from uh, Bogalusa, Louisiana on the line, wants to talk about... Uh, metaverse a little bit more. Good morning, Hippie. Good morning. How are you doing today? All right, all right. What's your, uh, what's your comment about this brand new metaverse? Well, I'm Jack Hipster Kimball on a game called The Entropia Universe. It existed about 15 years, and two days ago, I made $800 that I can take out of the game and put in my bank account. Now, it's a game like all the rest of them where you go around and kill stuff, 
but people buy clothes in it. They buy shoes in it. They get hats. They wear dragonfly wings. That uh, they do dances. They they play music. That it's it's more a game where you kill stuff. It's a social event. So I wanted you to know that the metaverse has existed in virtual reality for over 15 years. Somebody bought an island in this game for $39,000. It was the most expensive piece of virtual property. And then they turned around and sold it five years later for $3.9 million. It's amazing. So baking of turning virtual coins into actual money has has happened. Yeah, and entropia, like entropy and utopia put together. I think it has nine different planets and space and whole cities built in the game like Minecraft would. Only the money you make in the game, you can take out and put in your bank account. Okay, well, yeah, I just uh, gave it the, uh, a quick Google Google search machine. Uh, and, Ryder, this is what I was saying, where people are going to be doing things in the metaverse, and yes. it's, it's going to come it's going to come from behind the behind the computer screen. Yes, that yes. People have I, I, already been doing it for more than a decade. That yes, that's true, and and I think the the view of it happening in games, and I think that's where a lot of it has maybe started but that that's another way him being able to take money out and just put in his real actual bank account is another demonstration of kind of breaking down that barrier the money if if the money was real when it was in his bank account how was it any less real when it was in the game right before he moved it out and and so being able to one interact with entire worlds like that like he is doing and two, being able to take that to other places. What if there was another, the person who bought the island, what if there was another game which used the same world and when he bought the island in Entropia, then he owned the island elsewhere too because because it was the same world. So there's all sorts of things. And like he noted, people buying clothes and tools and weapons and things like that can they transfer those to other games? Can they transfer those to the real world in some way? That's the idea. And, and I did not mean to, you know, by talking about Facebook rebranding as, the, as meta, did not mean to say that this is a brand new thing. This is uh, truly has been, people have been picturing this. People have been working towards this. People have been creating things like this for a long time. Like I said, even a virtual simulator, uh, computer games have been around for a long time, and these were teeny tiny little building blocks of the bigger metaverse. Well, yeah, it used to be a, a one-way street. It's like with, with Facebook Farmville, where you should, you just buy all your carrots and buy all your seeds. But now you can you you can take the carrots from behind the computer. What were you going to say, uh, Nancy? Well, Java, I would just remind people that uh, that 800 that Hippie was able to take out of the game and put in his bank account came from somebody else who put that 800 plus in because that had to come from somewhere. And, of course, whoever's running the game, the company running the game, is going to take their cut off the top of every transaction. So be very careful about that. 
It's an economy. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, today is an open topic show. Nancy and Ryder are here to take your uh, personal finance questions. Ryder, as always, um, student loan news is important to those who have those student loans. And there was some new news uh, this past week that you want to mention. Yes. So the head of the Office of Federal Student Aid uh, was talking about preparing for student loan repayments to resume early next year. This was something during the coronavirus pandemic we the federal government suspended uh, both interest and requirements to pay on student loans. So that was a great relief for a lot of folks. Uh, student loans are a very hot issue, and that is real money that people were putting into their student loans that they couldn't use to support themselves, they couldn't use to eat, they couldn't use to pay rent. So this was a good relief for a lot of folks. That deadline for how long they were going to do that for has kept getting pushed back. I want to say it's it's January or February when repayments are going to start. So, yeah, so actually, no, I just looked at the date. The repayments will resume as early as the very end of January. So, of course, the agency that is collecting and monitoring these things and servicing these loans, they, they do need to prepare for that again. And I, I've saw some, I uh, saw some things also in the news about uh, certain groups of people were being f uh, forgiven for loans. Um, uh, I don't th uh, think it was um, uh, public public service workers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think this was a program that began under the Obama administration, I think. And um, and we had a lot of folks we worked with who were using this, that if you worked in a public service organization and you did that for 10 years and you kept making your regular payments at the end of the 10 years, then the rest of the loan is forgiven. So a lot of people were operating under that assumption that if I just keep working in this job, and many times those are lower paying jobs and they could have gotten elsewhere, but they were doing that as part of public service and knowing that those loans would be forgiven. But they had to be processed. They had to be approved. There were some glitches in the system. And what we found in reality is very few people were getting approval and getting their um, student loans forgiven. And so there was this huge backup and people were really upset because, my goodness, I've worked 10 years. I've done what you said I should do. So the Biden administration is trying to overhaul this uh, program and go back and look at it again and start approving these people. And I think that's just, um, you know, being true to what you said you'd do. Yeah, because that was one of the I can remember uh, back on the campaign season. Um, also, today is a election day for for certain sections of the state. But um, uh, back in campaign season, student loan forgiveness was something that was heavily talked about. But um, you know, you only hear a few stories here and there. Um, and I guess this is one of those 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 programs, public service loan forgiveness program. Right. And people were really frustrated and angry about it. So hopefully we're going to see that logjam loosened up and um, that's going to help a lot of folks. Yeah, we can. And uh, we can help some folks here this morning. We have uh, Nancy uh, Lottridge Anderson, Ryder Taff, our regularly scheduled experts who are giving their expert expertise <laughs> this morning. This is Money Talks. It's an open topic show, and we have more coming up. I mean, it is November. 
Uh, we talked about it on Deep South Dining just yesterday. The countdown to Thanksgiving has begun, and I've seen more than enough Christmas commercials on TV, too. <laughs> so we're getting ready for the Black Friday creep. It may sound ominous, but it's already started, and we'll talk about this next. This is Money Talks here on MPB Think Radio. healthy and fit you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active i'm dr josie bidwell host of southern remedy healthy and fit and associate professor of preventive medicine at the university of mississippi medical center listen to the show every monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for southern remedy with your preferred podcasting app I'm Java Chapman. You're listening to Money Talks. This is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. I'm here along with Dr. Nancy Lodridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Tab, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both charter financial analysts, and Ryder also hosts a certificate in investment performance measurement for the CFA Institute. Now, pop quiz, Nancy and Ryder. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? No way. Not not at all. Not at all, sir. You're li- I'm, I'm you gonna, guys are, you I'm guys are go s- get some stuff out of the metaverse. <laughs> for sure. You guys are so and, late. Haven't you seen all the news stories talking about the supply chain? If you see it on the shelf, you need to get it now because it may not be there when you want it later. Well, I'm getting everybody an MPV tote. There you go. Um, I I am just glad I am not the parent of small kids because, yeah, it's kind of tough right now finding those hot toys. Yeah, that is something that that, that creeps into my mind. Um, Thankfully, Amazon has some of the things my kids are into, so, you know, we're not— uh, uh, going, we're going to go too without this this Christmas season. But what are y'all what are y'all thoughts on that? With um, I guess as they say, with everything, the supply chain and how is that going to affect uh, the upcoming Christmas season, which is also always a a major economic boom. Well, I think it's it's probably going to ease up. Uh, we are already starting to see that happening, but it's still a bit of a logjam right now. And um, but I, I, you know, I find myself thinking back to this almost two years we've lived in COVID. Have we learned a few things about maybe what's important and what's not? And so maybe buying experiences is better than buying stuff. Uh, maybe we'll slow down a little bit, even though what we're seeing is people are planning to spend a little bit more this Christmas. But um, for my family, we're at the point that those things aren't as big of a deal as uh, gathering together and uh, having those experiences. But still, for kids, it's going to be a problem. 
And I would just like to point out about the supply chain issues. A lot of supply chain issues, yes, there were shutdowns, factories, shipping, etc. But also, a lot of the supply chain issues came because we just bought a whole lot more stuff. We were stuck at home, and we wanted to change our furniture. We wanted to buy new games to entertain ourselves with. We moved out out of big cities and into smaller towns, and we needed to buy cars and trucks, and we needed more space. So we bought a lot more stuff. So I kind of wonder, after buying a whole lot more stuff over the past year, year and a half, are people either going to be in the mood to just get even more or are people going to say, okay, you know, I've got all of the gym equipment and cars that I need. I think we can chill on Thanksgiving – sorry, chill on Christmas. And, and like Nancy said, uh, get into the spirit of, 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 of families and togetherness and experiences a little bit more. Yeah, I can I can see that because um, the the big thing is a lot of people will be gathering more uh, with the you know the vaccines and the and the uh, lowering of, of of infection numbers and things like that. So the experience over over things may be the big the big Christmas miracle for 2021. And, and Java, we're already starting to see a change in how we're spending our money. Uh, the hospitality industry is starting to benefit as we are getting out and traveling more, um, airlines picking up, all of those things. So that shift is happening. You can send an email like Marilyn um, to money at mpbonline.org. And uh, her email reads, there have been a few articles lately about huge gains realized from investors who utilize after-tax Roth IRAs in their 401ks and or individual IRA accounts instead of the more traditional tax-deferred IRAs. What do statistics say about long-term profitability between the two types? How often do you recommend them? And can you discuss any other relevant points of these? Can I discuss any <laughs> other relevant points? Marilyn, I if you come to my office right now, I have a big old spreadsheet that lets me discuss relevant points of these. So just a couple of things, kind of clarification. The, when you talk about realized gains, as she said initially, you're usually you're generally talking about in a taxable account. These two Roth IRAs and traditional IRA, traditional deferred 401ks, those are different things. So you have three different taxable buckets that an account can be in. And all accounts are are just different boxes, and they have different tax rules around them. So there's the regular taxable box or account where you put money in, you take money out. There's no tax rules. You pay a little bit of tax. You pay tax on the gains in that account. You pay tax on the interest and dividends. That doesn't have anything to do with the IRAs that she's talking about. The other two are deferred. So a deferred IRA, traditional IRA, what most people think of their 401ks or Mississippi deferred compensation as, you put money in, you save money on taxes, you reduce your taxable income when you put money in. That grows without you paying any tax on anything that happens in that account. And then when you withdraw money, that counts as income and you pay tax on it then. So you get this great tax benefit your whole life. When you withdraw it, the IRS gets their cut. 
Roth IRA is the other way around. You pay taxes on the money when you earn it. You put it in the account. There's a couple rules about limits there. It grows tax-free, and then you withdraw it tax-free. So what I've been talking about for a long time is tax diversification. You want to have amounts in these different accounts. While, yes, it would be ideal if all of your money was in a tax-free account forever, that's just not practical or possible for most people. And also, there are still limits on what you can do with that. So you do want some tax-deferred money where you can withdraw it and it'll, you'll pay income tax on it. You want to have some Roth money where you withdraw it and you'll pay no tax on it. And you'll want to have some taxable money, which you can, you can do a whole bunch of other things with and withdraw it with no rules at any time. So the factors that you look at are the main factors you want to look at your tax rate now and your tax rate in the future and how much time you have for that money to grow. So for as, as an example, if you're young, you have a long time to let that money grow and you're in a low tax right now. So when you start working, you're in your 20s and 30s, you're probably at the lowest income uh, income level and income tax rate that you are that you're going to be in your working career. So it's great then you can go ahead and pay a low tax rate, put money away, let it grow a lot because you have a long time, you let that grow a lot, and when you retire, you won't have any tax to pay on that. And then on the flip side, you have someone who's maybe in a very high income bracket, there's only a few years before they retire, it makes a lot of sense to defer off that top bracket. So if you're in a, say, a 30% tax bracket now, you can save 30% immediately by putting money in there. And then if you're going to retire in only a few years, you don't have a long time for that to grow. But once you retire a few years later, you'll be in a much lower tax bracket, say a 10 or 15% tax bracket. And you can withdraw the money then. So you just you just deferred that tax payment, but you very cleverly also cut that tax bill. So it, it, there's always a benefit. What I do want to say is there's always a benefit to utilizing that tax deferral, be it Roth or traditional IRA. So whichever one you're doing, it's a great start. Obviously, we can do a lot of work. We can study it. We can plug it into calculators. We can optimize it. But I think having tax diversification, so having a different amount, uh, having amounts in all three different buckets is important, but also simply making use of them as very effective savings tools. So I think that's a great question, Marilyn, and I could talk about this for like three or four days straight. <laughs> can you tell, Java? Yeah, I'm, uh, I... Yeah, can, can you tell? Yeah, <laughs> this no, is no, an edited version of the show you're listening to. Nobody, this is the, uh, the abridged version. Um, I'm leaning back in my seat. Nobody can see it because Ryder, it was like, take it away. <laughs> but, the, but the one thing that I did, or I guess the two points that I took away, um, of course, you want to have diversified uh, financials, but it's all about what you said, time over your tax rate. If you have, you know, a long time, short time, low tax rate, high tax rate, you have to weigh those options and then choose your best choice. Absolutely. It's an open topic show, and we have more after the break. This is Money Talks right here on MPB Think Radio.
contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman, filling in for Kevin Fred this morning, along with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Remember, every Tuesday at 9 o'clock, we bring you Money Talks, followed by in legal terms, which is coming up next. So make sure you do tune in for that. And if you miss any of our shows, we have podcasts. Podcasts on top of podcasts. Uh, download the MPB Public Media app. That's a great way to uh, stay connected to everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Now, we are only in November, but I've already seen some stores talking about our Black Friday sale, which oh, yeah. is coming up on a Wednesday <laughs> in November. Um but there's always a list of things, what to buy, what not to buy during this time of year. And uh, according to various websites, what to buy in November. And this looks like a pretty good list because uh, smart home devices. Um, I actually bought, um, what did I buy? I bought the light, uh, a light bulb that connects to um, our um, Amelia device. <laughs> um, and my kids you, have you've been. You've got a light bulb? in the metaverse I don't I don't know how how many toes I'm gonna dip into that metaverse I'm I'm scared of it Ryder just to be (laughs) just to be actual um but yeah I bought a light a light bulb that you know does the different colors connects connects to the smart home device and my kids have been changing our rooms all different colors um just because they feel like it but uh smart home devices are smart to buy uh in November cookware small kitchen appliances which could help you out during the um, Thanksgiving holiday, uh, smart watches and uh, wearables, smart vo- smartphones, uh, wine. Um, also, these experiences, travel. Travel is a big thing to um, get into in November, but just not the day before and the day after Thanksgiving. You don't want to make that mistake. But what not, no to, what not to buy are uh, these doorbuster TVs, like I said, that are Black Friday specials on a Wednesday in November. I don't think you should ever touch those what do you guys think uh well i i'm just for not buying another tv to put in my house i mean we have enough and you know now you can stream to your laptop so i I don't really understand these bigger better tvs yeah i don't i don't i don't get it either unless it's super bowl time and then you know you need the the biggest screen possible to um to have a to have a good time also stay so away you, so you can yell at the ref right? <laughs> yeah because we need high definition to um become a ref ourselves we can say bring, who's, bring that ref right into your living room yeah who did who called it right who called it wrong also one thing to stay away from are ultra low price laptops i've heard the guys on everyday tech uh talk about these because they just they they seem like a good deal but you know for um you know what you are trying to do depending on what you're trying to do but a lot a lot of them they kind of wear out before their value so so you want to stay well, and 
And no, we're having a chip shortage because at my house we need a new washer dryer. But I'm holding off because chips are in all of our uh, items now, and so that is causing those prices to be higher. And you don't even have the choices that you had uh, pre-pandemic. Now, as we approach this, um, uh, Ryder, you want to jump in? Uh, you want to say something? Oh, well, you know, if you're looking for a washer dryer and there's a chip shortage, you just got to get one of those old washboards and, and, and go that route. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Get a big bucket and a washboard. No no chips involved there. Or you could tune in to Fixing 101 and they'll tell you how to fix your, you can bypass the chip. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent, that is an excellent suggestion, Java. Now, as we're reaching, um, you know, toward the, the holiday season and uh, Black Friday and things like that. Nancy, do you have any any tips for for people who want to who are going to be doing some shopping this 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 uh, this holiday season? I know you're big on budgets. I know we always encourage people to plan ahead and think about what is the total amount I want to spend because what you don't want to do is end up in a credit card ditch after Christmas because you just went crazy buying everybody gifts. So think about it beforehand. Think about what you can afford to spend cash on hand or what you can pay off in a month or two on your credit card and sit down and look at everybody on that list what you hope to buy for each one and what that's going to cost you. And then that allows you to then do some shopping around. And uh, also, again, because of supply chain issues, think about substitutes. So you may have this one gift that you really want to get somebody and it's just not available. So come up with other options. Yeah, and I always have the tip of uh, shopping small, too. That's where you kind of find those unique gifts, you know, that you can't just find at every big box store. And if you believe it or not, when you do shop small at small businesses, you are sending a kid to camp. You are, you know, putting an extra um, date night for that couple. You know, you are helping your community um, by, by, by shopping small. But I was, yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate of shopping at local stores. And one thing that you realize as well is sometimes local stores who have carry local products, they have, when we get back to talking about the supply chain, they have a lot shorter supply chain. They're not as affected. If, if you're buying food that is grown in Mississippi, you are not so worried about there not being any truck drivers able to bring in food from California. If, if you are buying products, you know, handmade products in Mississippi, you are not worried about all of the ships backed up at the ports in Long Beach. So that the shortening supply chain could potentially be a benefit for some local uh, stores, which we know and love so much. Now, before we um, get out of here, I, I this question really just popped in my head because I saw $3.19 um, at the Shell station on the way to work this morning. When are the gas prices going to go down or are they on a steady incline? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, we, we have to think about the demand side, and as we all start moving around the country more, that's higher demand, which tends to push the price up. But we're also starting to see maybe some relief on the supply side where they're kind of opening the spigots a little bit. I think we just need to expect higher prices for a while and uh, build that into our budgets. 
because there was a um, a gas giveaway um, by uh, an, an, another media outlet here in the city of Jackson, and the line was basically yeah, wrapped crazy. wrapped around the interstate. <laughs> Gas is gas is at a premium this morning, um, but I also want to uh, uh, thank these premium experts, Nancy Lotrich Anderson and Ryder Tav, for uh, indulging me this this morning as I filled in for uh, Kevin Farrell, and we um, we we really appreciate you guys helping us out every Tuesday morning right here on Money Talks. Now, Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and is funded in part by generous financial support for our listeners. Now, to hear today's show or previous shows, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or you can listen to our podcast. All you have to do is search for Money Talks. You can find us wherever your podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Now, today's show was produced by Liz Gill and our call screener was director of radio, Jason Klein. Now, for Nate. Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson and Ryder Taff. I'm not Kevin Farrell, Java Chapman, and you can join us every Tuesday, 9 a.m., for more Money Talks right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.